This, uh, earlier this morning in uh, Denver, Colorado, uh, my daughter Johanna uh, preached at a church there on the east side. And then I'm going to just preach for about eight minutes here. This is the first time in the history of the world that uh, two generations of Sangs have preached on the same day. Yeah. Um, we're going to review each other's sermons and just pick them apart and see who's better. Back me up, people. Like, amen? That's what I'm talking about right there, right there. That's what I need. I need some buy-in. Uh, this, might, this might date us, but I was standing next to Sonia during the worship time, and she counted all the people in you know, the band, Hoku Azure guys, and said, ooh, Society of Seven. Anybody? Anybody? You remember? You, you, you probably got to be, you, you be at, least 40. Pro- at least in your 40s. Just remember that reference. At least. Good time. Here's your warm-up question, uh, as if you needed it. What do you really want from God these days? What, what, do you, what, do you, what do you really want from God these days? You're going to take eight seconds to be brilliant and think about this. What do, you, what do you really want from God these days? Take a breath. Think about it. What do you really want? What do you really want? You guys got something? United, unity, yeah, good. Yeah. You can shout it out if you want. Fullness. Fullness. No, fullness, fullness. He, he's, he's got boldness, he's got that. Fullness. It says fullness as he eats a banana. That's, that's my brother right there. Practices what he preaches. Health, you're at a good service. Uh, here's, a re- here's the question behind that question. For how many people was that, that was a little bit hard to figure out what you really need from God? Yeah, how many people like, oh yeah, no problem. Interesting. How many people refuse to answer my questions on principle? Um, all right, so just, just think about that. File it away and, and think about it. We're going to do a, a healing service today, which means I'm only going to talk a few minutes. And then uh, we're going to give the bulk of the remaining time over to ministering supernatural healing to one another, uh, mostly for, for physical ailments today is, is what I'm thinking. So if you've come with a sickness or an injury or something like that, this is a great day to be healed. And we often generate some uh, good stories from services like this. Of course, we also pray for healing in our small groups weekly and, and stuff like that. We have Sozo, which is a different sort of healing ministry. You heard one testimony about that today. But healing is something God does. In fact, uh, in almost every instance in the Gospels, when Jesus tells his disciples to go preach, the, he doesn't say to preach the message per se. He says to, to preach the, the good news and to preach the kingdom is what he says. And the kingdom, that word means order or dominion. Go out there and show that God's got control over things is one loose way to paraphrase that. You know, and... And then he says, and as you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near, 
heal the sick, raise the dead. You've got to cleanse the lepers. You've got to cause the blind to see. Uh, you have to uh, also make sure that the poor uh, receive good news. Make the kingdom manifest on earth. Make it real. Make it tangible and palpable for as many people as you can. And healing was always part of that command. Always. And so sickness is a disorder. And so we bring the order of heaven against the disorder of sickness on earth. And, uh, you know, when we move in the power of the spirit, we often see an immediate manifestation. So that's what we're going to do. We'll have some healing uh, team members come up front. We'll invite you to come forward to receive healing prayer. Or depending on your condition, they'll wade into the crowd and pray for you as as necessary. And when I say pray to you, I mean they'll release the kingdom upon you. They won't necessarily say, oh, God, please be good. They'll say, in the name of God's goodness, be well. (laughs) And and that often, you know, releases because when we move in faith, that's what happens. Uh, We often see a release of God's manifest goodness. So that's that's the plan. Um, I just want to... uh, just take a moment and declare right now because, you know, we had a, a lovely dose of the Spirit in the room during our musical worship time and during our testimony time and stuff like that. And it is not uncommon uh, to just uh, receive healing spontaneously in those instances. You've come with an expectation of healing, perhaps. It could be that you have already received it. Uh, it could be that you will receive it while I prattle on like this. Uh, and so just take note every once in a while and check, like, well, do I feel better? <laughs> if you can tell, you know, it might be one of those things you can check in the, in the moment. All right? Can we just agree on that? Because yeah. yeah. I'm lazy and I like it done the quick way. And the Lord is in the house, you know. The Lord is in the house. So let's be open. Yeah? Check? Let me know. I want to read a short story today uh, before we get started. It's from Luke chapter 18. It's a story uh, that comes from Jesus' march to Jerusalem. He's getting down to the final days of his ministry, which is to say the final days of his life on earth. And his disciples are around him, and a crowd of people have gathered around him, and he's entering into Jerusalem. And this is a very exciting time for all of his followers because the prophecy was that the Messiah would come into Jerusalem and establish a kingdom. And here's Jesus, who people are suspecting is the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament prophecies. He's headed to Jerusalem. The Romans are there. They figure he's going to kick out the Romans. You know, actually, Jesus has a deeper sort of order in mind, an order that brings healing to broken bodies and not just broken politics, you know. Uh, But they're very excited about that. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside, begging. It's about the only option that blind people had in this society back then. He was a professional beggar. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. It's a big crowd coming by on the road that he sat on. Uh, And wow, I can't see. Somebody tell me what's going on. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus was a little bit famous at that point. Word had gotten around, so this beggar had probably heard the stories surrounding Jesus about the good things that he did and the miracles that he performed. 
So this guy, he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, Jesus actually was a son of David, which is to say he was a biological descendant of King David. But more importantly, that phrase, son of David, was a phrase that the, the Old Testament assigned to the Messiah. He would be a son of David. He would be a descendant of David. So this guy is basically saying, oh, Jesus, you know, Messiah guy, have mercy on me, please, as I sit here beside the road, a dirty and blind beggar. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Hey, you're getting in the way. We're on an important mission. We're going to restore uh, the nation. So they told him, hey, shut up. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So I think you agree with me, this guy, real nuisance. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. Big crowd, he could hear him, but couldn't see him. Hey, somebody bring that, that guy who's yelling, bring that guy to me. <clears throat> when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Interesting that he would ask that. We'll get back to that in a second. Lord, I want to see, he replied. This guy knew what he wanted. He knew what he needed. I want to see, I really want to see. Jesus told him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. Well, you would. When all the people saw it, they praised God. So this guy joined the march to Jerusalem, which we know from a sermon a few weeks ago, already included Lazarus, Lazarus, the ex-dead guy. And so we now have this fellow, uh, Bartimaeus, we, we know his name is from a different account an ex-blind guy. So this was a cool parade. This was a cool parade. Let's just go through that really quickly. And I want you to think, what does this passage teach us about having a healing service at Blue Water Mission? If you would. Because obviously it ends with a pretty impressive healing. What jumps out at me is the beggar's attitude, right? The crowd is passing him by. He's a beggar. He's a professional beggar. Uh, you guys ever traveled in, in the developing world and encountered beggar culture? These, jo- these guys have, their, their job is to look pathetic, right? And, and I, mean, I, I, don't, I do not say that in a derogatory fashion at all, right? That they, they have to, like, I deserve your charity, right? And he was blind. He probably made it obvious to passers-by in some fashion, right? So for him to kind of, like, up and sh- start shouting, you know, it was a violation of status. It was a violation of his proper social role. And immediately you see people respond to that. That is improper. That's not what you do. You sit there, look pathetic, and, and be respectful. That's your job. That's your job. And he's like, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up. And he wouldn't shut up. Do you know somebody like that? <laughs> don't look, don't look. But do you know somebody like that? Have mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And, and, and the people were like, well, that's a little selfish. There's, there's something of national importance going on. That's a little selfish, don't you think? It's a little uppity, a little boisterous. Uh, but he wouldn't take no uh, for an answer. He sort of shows me this combination of begging plus faith. You know, it was sort of pathetic plus bold. That's hard to do, that combination. 
and I don't know what the right word is for it. It's kind of like shameless might be a good word. Audacious, you know, you, you know that word, audacious, audacity, you know what that means? It's kind of like, it's when you're bold, but you don't really have a right to be bold, but you're bold anyway. What's that? Chinese women, yeah. I didn't say that. The Chinese woman said that. There may or may not be truth to this cultural reality. It's like, no, this is what's going to happen. This is what I need right now. I, I shall make it happen. I'll stop right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to make that joke. Um, I went to a marriage date night thing last night. So. Um, but, but clearly, you know, if, if anybody was audacious, you know, this guy was audacious. He, he, he was going to get his miracle in the crowd, you know. It's this midst of a, cru a crushing crowd in which he was the smallest of bits, you know, but he was going to push through the crowd and get his miracle. Uh, maybe, maybe you need to do that today. Um, and then he, Jesus stops, right, because he hears the racket, you know. In other words, this beggar's strategy worked, right? Worked. He, calling out over the din, calling out over the bustle, the crowd, the dust, God, help! And it worked. And, and Jesus, the Lord, says, bring him. You know, somebody go get that guy. Um, and I, I wonder what that moment was like, where they're like, oh, Jesus is going to punish him. Jesus is angry now, you know. Uh, but they bring the guy in front of Jesus. And then Jesus asks him a question, what do you want me to do for you? Completely unnecessary question. You know, completely unnecessary. Because it was obvious what this guy wanted. Right? You, blind beggar, shouting for mercy from a miracle worker. What do you want? You know, so what's going on there? And part of it might have been Jesus reassuring the guy that he wasn't going to chew him out. You know, because the guy might have had a little bit of shame. It doesn't seem like a guy gripped by shame, but he might have had a little bit. And so Jesus just kind of washes it away there. It's like, yeah, so what's going on, man? Whatever, the Lord sort of communicates to him in that moment, I honor your need. Tell me about it. Your need is such that I'm, I'm going to give it some space right now. You know, whatever's hurting you, whatever's bothering you, I, the Lord, really want to hear about it. You know, let's, let's do this interaction. Maybe, that's hit, maybe that hits you hard. Maybe it doesn't. I love it. I just love it. Jesus could have just gone, see. <laughs> but instead, he just makes it very personal. Jesus, he always does that, right? He's just a genius like this. It's like, you're a beggar, right? You make a living off of declaring your need to everyone such that people walk by you on the road all the time without even seeing you anymore. Right? But here you are. You hurt. Tell me about your hurt. What do you need from me? What do you need from me? 
I love that invitation because sometimes I tell God what I need and I feel like he doesn't want to hear. And he's saying, actually, I, I want to hear right now what you want. I like that. Maybe that makes a difference to you. At the end, uh, the guy receives a sight. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Who, who heals the guy? This guy gets his healing miracle. Who does it? Jesus? The guy's faith, Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Who's responsible? <laughs> what I like is that it's a fair question, given the way the story is told. It's a fair question. Who does the miracle here? Jesus, of all the characters, is the passive one. You know? Uh, this beggar super aggressive. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you, which is one of uh, roughly nine times in Scripture where Jesus says something like this following a miracle. Like, yeah, your faith made that happen. Your faith made it happen. Which makes me think about how this beggar showed faith. And the way this beggar showed, showed faith was to shamelessly and audaciously cry for mercy in the midst of a crowd, right? Where that would have been inappropriate. Anyway, what should you do if you need mercy today? Not mumble answers. <laughs> right? We know at least it's not that. Right? At least that's not the right attitude. So, so what should you do today if you need mercy? Say so. Shout it out. Ask for it. Yeah. Getting there. You're getting there. Cast off the fear of man. Yeah, punch your way through the crowd, man. That's a good one. Persistent. Yeah. Faith. Have faith. Inappropriate. Yeah. You know, I think about... Cry out. Yes. There you go. And he kept saying it until I heard it. Somebody listens. I'm huge in the under five part of the congregation. Um, I, I, I read this story, you know, and I've got needs in my own life. I'm, you know, I know I, you're not as needy as I am, but I have needs in my own life. And, uh, and I think, you know what? I have needs. I have faith. I have faith, right? You see, I have, I've got some. I've got, I've got some faith. Therefore, I should get my miracle. Fair? There. So there you go, Lord. Uh, and then I compare myself to this blind, pathetic beggar and the way he manifested faith. And he punched through his circumstances, you know, and honored the Lord so that the Lord would honor him. You know, and then I think, all right, I might have a little growth edge still. <laughs> uh, I might have a ways to go. But, but I don't feel condemned. I feel, uh, feel really encouraged uh, to be uh, inappropriately filled with faith. Are you with me? Shall we pray for some healing? Yeah. Shall we do that and cry out for it? Really what that is is just a long-winded invitation to do what you need to do to get before the Lord to get what you need to get. Uh, and, and, you know, we're blue water. We try hard.
so I just encourage you to try hard. So can I have the prayer ministry team come forward, please? And let me just check in. God bless you. Uh, go spread the kingdom. <laughs>